Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, come on, come on. Are you excited to be in church today? Come on, put your hands together. I see you in the Zoom. Welcome in YouTube. Welcome in Facebook. Like Pastor Rich said, my name is Adrian Molina, and I have the privilege, the privilege, my wife and I have the privilege of being on team here at VU. Uh, you know, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to speak. Uh, it is not an understatement to say that this church, this community, our pastors, um, they shifted the trajectory of my life, man. And uh, I believe that a lot of people that are watching right now, you know what I'm referring to. You're grateful for this community, but a lot of people that are watching for the first time, we want to say welcome. This community is for you. We say that Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Today, you're going to hear about this man named Jesus, but you're also surrounded by a community of people who are for you, who love you. If you're grateful for Voo Church and you're grateful for our pastors, come on, put your hands together. I love you guys. As Pastor Rich said, we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting, day 14. I'm excited. Every single day, I think you should join on IG. We got different prayer topics. But then Wednesday, he talked about the last two Wednesdays. This upcoming Wednesday is an important night. At 8 p.m., we're going to be streaming from YouTube and from Zoom and from Facebook. We're going to be talking about restoration. It's one hour, 8 to 9. It's a power hour of prayer. Maybe you've never been part of an experience like that. This Wednesday is going to be your first time. We're going to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then on that Thursday, the next day at 1230, we're talking through a habit lab. We're talking through the Holy Spirit. A lot of people wonder what that is. A lot of people wonder, how do I get indwelled with the Holy Spirit? How do I walk in in communion with the Holy Spirit? We're going to break that down on Thursday. I'm pumped for it. Uh, Pastor Rich said that today I am continuing our collection day by day. You know, this season that we are all in is obviously a bit of a struggle. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You lean into your habits, you press into your habits. And we've been talking through different spiritual disciplines, different habits, meditation, prayer, fasting. Today, I'm speaking on submission, and I want to talk to you from this idea, the mission of submission. The mission of submission. I'm going to pray really quick, and then we're going to get into this. Let's ask God to step into this space. Let's ask God to do what it is that only he can do. God, we, we love you, Lord. We worship you today, God. We come into your presence today, God. We know that you are not confined by space and time, God. We know that church is not about a building. You're not restricted to a box, God, but you are here, tangible presence. We feel you. We ask you, God, to reveal to us what you want us to see. Allow us to hear what you want us to hear, God. Use us in this moment to draw closer to you than we ever have before. We're believing it. We're actually believing it today. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together if you are excited for church. I get fired up, man. So hopefully you could get fired up there with me in the Zoom, in the YouTube, in the Facebook. I'm speaking on this idea, the mission of submission. We're gonna be reading from uh, Luke 9. Before it comes on the screen, I wanna give you a little bit of context to this scripture verse, okay? This is the point in Jesus's ministry where he's starting to talk to his followers, his disciples, and he's alluding to the fact that he's gonna have to die. He says, I'm gonna step into Jerusalem and I'm gonna be at the mercy of many. I'm gonna be uh, at the hands of many. I'm gonna suffer at the hands of many. When he says this, it doesn't exactly sit well with all of his followers, especially Peter. 
Peter pulls him to the side and rebukes him, at which point Jesus, he pulls Peter to the side. He says, get behind me, Satan. Talk about a bad day for Peter. Imagine like your, your boss or one of your closest friends like calling you the devil. Uh, uh, Miss Johnson, here's, here's the, the ETS report that you asked for. Tim, what the heck is this? You little devil. That's like a horrible day for Tim. You know what I'm talking about? So like after this little, this little moment that occurred, Jesus goes on to say, probably one of the most controversial, thought-provoking, mind-boggling, countercultural statements of his entire ministry. I want to read it to you. Luke 9, 23 through 25. It's going to pop up on the screen for you. It says, then he said to them, these are Jesus's words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? In Matthew, it says to lose or forfeit their very soul. You know, this portion of scripture is a little bit tough to chew on, if we're being honest. I mean, Jesus is essentially saying that if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross. That didn't exactly go all that well for you, Jesus. So I don't know if I, if I wanted to do that. He's saying, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. How, how can I save my life if I lose it? That doesn't make any sense, Jesus. This portion of scripture, it's mind-boggling. It's difficult to digest for you and I because it completely contradicts the way that we think. But on top of that, Jesus is introducing a topic here. He's introducing a, a, a thought that you and I, humanity, aren't comfortable with. He's introducing something that doesn't sit well with us, and that's this idea of submission. Somebody write down submission. Write down submission in your notebook, circle it in your notebook. That's what we're talking about today. What is submission anyways? In the Bible, there's a bunch of different examples of submission. In, in Romans, it talks about submitting to governmental authorities. In Hebrews, it talks about submitting to spiritual leaders. In Ephesians, it talks about submission in the context of relationships. But but submission at its purest form is willingly choosing the authority of somebody else over myself. Willingly choosing the authority of somebody else over myself. Willingly. That's the key word. Circle that, underline that, as in you are okay with it, as in you don't have a problem with it. But that's not typically what it's like. That's not typically how we roll. That's not typically how it plays out. What happens when you don't want to submit? What happens when you have an issue with submission. I have to be honest, I am fired up to talk about this because I think that in 2020, we have a huge submission problem. I think that especially in our Western modern society, you and I, we have an issue with this word. We cringe at the very thought of yielding to the authority of anybody else. I mean, let's be real for a second. The, the idea of me submitting to the authority of anyone else is almost anti-American. I mean, we are more drawn to words like, like self-fulfillment and self-actualization than we are to words like self-denial. We 100% prefer to, to pour into our cup as opposed to pouring our cup out for other people. If you don't, if you don't believe me, go to a bookstore. Any mainstream bookstore, one of the biggest sections that you're going to see is the self-help section. 
One of the biggest sections you'll see in any bookstore is the self-help section. There's more self-help resources now in 2020 than there ever has been in the history of the planet. You go online, you go on YouTube, you go wherever you want, self-help is right there in front of your face. Why? Because we are desperate to elevate our personal statuses. We are desperate to elevate our personal situations. That's what we lean into. That's what we prefer. That's what's our natural instinct. What's interesting is that there's more self-help in 2020 than ever before, but there's also more people suffering from depression and anxiety in 2020 than ever before. There's, there's something there. There's something to talk about there. You see this idea of self-denial, this idea of submission. It is a, it's a sexy word in theory. It's sexy to talk about. It's sexy to, to think about, to write about. It's sexy to preach about. But it is a nasty word in practice, okay? We have an issue with this word. We have an issue with this word because we have an issue with authority. Take an inventory of your life. When was the last time that you sought out personal fulfillment, personal satisfaction by complying with the desires of somebody else? I'm not talking about doing something nice for somebody. That's called being selfless and altruistic. That's different than being submissive. When was the last time that you did something that you did not want to do, but did it anyway because you were told to do it simply for self-satisfaction and for personal pleasure? Probably not that often. Probably not that recently. That doesn't make you a bad person. It just highlights something that exists within all of us. It highlights a truth that exists within all of humanity, within every single man and woman on this planet. And the truth is that you and I are in an internal rebellion against submission. We're in an internal rebellion against submission. I mean, people, if you think about it, I want you to think about this for a second. People leave their jobs every single day because they don't want to comply with leadership. People leave sports teams because they have an issue with the coach. People leave marriages, hello, because they're not willing to put their personal preferences to the side. And I'm not just, I'm not just talking about you here. I'm not on a pulpit. I'm not on a, on a soapbox pointing the finger. I have an issue with this too. I will be the first one to raise my hand and say that I have an issue with submission at times. We all have an issue with this. And, you know, it was really a... Uh, it was really tempting for me to call this message submission sucks because I feel like that's what it, that's what it feels like sometimes. Like submission would not be like, I, I was hesitant whether I wanted to say that or not, but the reality is like I was tempted to call this message submission sucks because that, that's how it feels sometimes. It's not our natural proclivity. It's not what we want to do. It's not our innate preference. But, but here's the truth. Our entire Christian belief system is founded upon the principle of submission, period. The gospel, the entire story of Jesus is in submission to the Father. Jesus' entire ministry was in submission to the Father. The whole concept of being a Christian hinges on the fact of you and I coming after Jesus, not before, after Jesus, not before, after Jesus, not before. He is first and I am second. I mean, let's look at the scripture verse that we're reading for a second. Just, just read these words and pay attention to these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Let's stop there for a second. Okay, 
We, we read this word cross and we don't necessarily know how to digest this word cross. So I want to put us in the context of the day. In the context of the day when this was written, the Roman Empire was in charge. The cross was an instrument of death. It was a mechanism used for death. What is Jesus saying? That, that word is in there intentionally. He is saying, I want you to pick up this mechanism of death. I want you to pick up this instrument of death. He's like, I want you to walk towards self-denial. I want you to walk towards your own death. What was Jesus doing when he carried the cross? He was walking towards his death. That's why he's telling you and I to pick up the cross and walk towards our death. He's saying to pick up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus is making the claim that the only way to find your life is to give it up. He says, come and die before he says, come and live. Your knees have to hit the ground if you want to touch the sky. Why is Jesus urging you and I to submit? Why is Jesus pushing his disciples to submit? I want to put yourself, insert yourself into the scripture. This is the moment in Jesus's ministry where he is preparing his followers for what's to come. He's saying, I'm about to step into some stuff. This stuff is not going to go well from your perspective. And you are going to freak out and you're going to, run, you're going to want to run away. You're going to want to operate based on all your natural instincts and all your natural proclivities. But he's saying that the real way to get through all of this is to submit to me, is to pay attention to me, is to put me first, is to follow my example. Could it be, could it be that Jesus is aware about something regarding submission that you and I are unaware of? Could it be that Jesus wants us to experience the positive ramifications attached to submission that you and I would otherwise be unexposed to if we live life according to our preference? Perhaps the truth is that there's more than meets the eye when it comes to submission. Perhaps the truth is that submission doesn't suck, it saves. Maybe submission does not suck, maybe submission saves. Submission is freeing, it is liberating. To break the back of selfishness, one has to submit. If you want to gain your life, you have to lose it to the one that's given it to you. Perhaps there is a mission to submission. The call of a Christian The call for you and I is to commit our lives to discovering Jesus. It's about being savior conscious, not self-conscious. It's about going against all of our natural instincts and paying attention to the instances instilled in us within God. The entire gospel is paradoxical. If you don't believe me, read the word. The world of the stingy gets smaller, but the world of of the generous gets larger. That doesn't make any sense. If I'm stingy, I hold on to things and it gets larger, right? But that's not what the gospel says. The gospel says if you're first, you will be last and the last will be first. How can I go from being last to first and first to last. If I want to live, I have to die. If I want to be saved, I have to submit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are there people in the room who have experienced submission in their lives and know the positive ramifications attached to submission? You understand that there is a mission attached to submission. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're diving into today. The entire gospel, our entire belief system contradicts the way that you and I would normally operate. So for a second, I want to challenge you. I want you to think about what we're saying and and, and contradicting the way that you would naturally operate within your life. Jesus is saying, I want you to pick up your cross daily. Daily, I want you to pick up this instrument of death. I want you to march towards self-denial daily. The cross is a symbol of death. I want to submit to Jesus daily. There is substance to be found in submission. And, And I think, I want you to hear me on this because I think this is important. 
Submission is not just a practice that is, that is limited to my spiritual life. Submission is not just a practice that is about my vertical relationship with Jesus. It's not just confined to my relationship with God. Submission is a habit. It is a discipline. It's something that I need to flex every single day. It is a muscle that I stretch and I strengthen every single day. Why? Because if I can't submit to man, how am I ever going to submit to God? If I can't get this person in front of me and submit to this person in front of me, how am I ever going to submit to God out here? If, if I have an issue submitting to my wife, how am I ever going to submit to God? If I have an issue submitting to my boss, how am I ever going to submit to God? It's like when we talk about stewardship. Like if you can't steward small, how would God ever trust you to steward large? I'm not going to give you $100,000 if you can't steward $1,000. We have big goals in this life. Hey, we've got a big dream. We've got a big aspiration. God, give me more. You're the God of abundance. You're the God of provision. But why would he give you a lot if he can't trust you with a little? You got to trust small. You got to submit to small if you want to be able to submit to large. That's why it is, it's this way too. Jesus didn't just come to fix our vertical relationship. He came to coach on our horizontal relationships. Submission is a practice that I implement in my day-to-day life. It's a practice that I look at my professional life, my personal life, and I, and I learn how to operate and flex this muscle of submission. So the question that we have to answer is, the question that I'm asking myself, the question that I want you to ask yourself is, am I being my best version of a Jesus follower? if I have an issue with submission? Are you being your best version of a Jesus follower if you have an issue with submission? Probably not. In fact, I'm going to help some people. The answer is no. So then, how do we resolve our issue with submission? What's the habit? What's the hack? What's the discipline? What does it look like day by day for me to submit over in my life, all aspects of my life, my my vertical relationship and my horizontal relationship. I think it consists of three, th- three different things. Three disciplines, three practices, three habits, whatever you want to call it, write these things down. And listen, by the way, the reason we say to write these things down is not because it helps us. It's because it helps you. You don't know how many times in my life I have needed to get refreshed in my soul. I had needed a word and I go back to a notebook and in 2016, somebody said something that's speaking to me four years later. That's why we say to write things down. So go get a notebook, go get a pen. If you don't have that, pull out your iPhone and start jotting these things down. Okay, the first habit when it comes to submission, what does the practice look like? First word is confession. Somebody say confession. Confession. Write down that word, circle that word. Put it in your notebook, confession. This is another word that we don't like, man. It's another word that we freak out about. Another word that we, we, we hate in, in this day and age. We, we over-spiritualize this word and we, we over-dramatize this word. But the reality is that the, the habit of confession is what will break down the wall between you and your ability to submit. The habit of confession is what will break down the wall between you and your ability to submit. Confession means to admit something, to admit that there is a gap between where you're at and where you ought to be, that there is a gap between how you're operating and how you ought to be operating. Confession is about acknowledging that you want to fill that gap. That's why it's step one in the submission process, because before I Before I address the problem, I have to acknowledge that there is a problem. So questions that we all need to be asking ourselves, questions that we need to be writing down right now, questions that we need to be thinking about. Who do I have an issue submitting to and why? Don't just write down that question, but write down the answer to that question. Circle the name. Get that confession out of you. Make your confession louder than your circumstance. 
Who should I be submitting to that I am not? When was the last time I did something I didn't want to do? Are my actions self-serving or are they just serving? Look, if you and I really want to see change take place in our world, if you and I actually want to see the change that we're hoping for, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. We are in a global pandemic, but hear me, we are also in an emotional pandemic, a mental pandemic, a spiritual pandemic. If you look at anywhere on the news, you'll see that things are problematic. There's a lot of tension, racial tension, political tension, social tension, all of that stuff is real. You go anywhere on social media and people are saying, I wanna help, I wanna be part of the solution. If we actually wanna see real life change happen, it is gonna take the church of Jesus Christ. You and I, Jesus's footprint on this planet to have some submitting believers. Submitting believers who don't cringe at the idea of respecting their leaders. Submitting believers who don't run away from the opportunity of serving others. Submitting believers who don't, who don't cringe at the opportunity to move self-advancement to the side in order to advance other people up. That's what we're called to do. If Jesus is first and I am second, Jesus is my message and people are my heart. That means I'm called to serve all people, whatever they look like, whatever their status, whatever their position, whatever their background, I'm here to serve people. That means that I have to be comfortable with submitting to some people and I gotta be comfortable with submitting to my preferences, putting my preferences down in order to advance other people. If you wanna see real life change happen in this time, then you gotta get this thought in your heart. You gotta be willing to confess that there is a gap, that there is a gap that exists between you and the way that you are operating. But let me speak to the leaders for a second, because this message is not just for the people who are under authority, who are the people that should be submitting. This is for the leaders too. If you are a leader, if you, I, I hope, I pray to God we got some leaders on here right now. I, I pray we got some church leaders. I know we got some business leaders. I pray to God we got some political leaders right now. If you are a leader, if you are a person of influence, if you have people underneath your authority, you want these people to submit to you, be somebody worth submitting to. If you want people to follow you, be somebody worth following. Your position of leadership is not to position you for greatness, it's to posture you for service. Inspire people, don't incarcerate people, don't trap people with your poorly stewarded authority. Elevate people, lift people up, be a leader. If you want people to submit to you, you gotta go first. Leaders go first. Leadership is something we take very seriously here at Voo Church. Very seriously. We have a motto, we say it all the time. I am a leader. I am a person of influence. Today I choose to be a blessing. With God's help, there's nothing I cannot do. Instead of being reactive, I will be proactive. I know the answer. I am the solution. What are we saying there? We recognize that leadership is not about a position. Leadership is not about a status. Leadership is an opportunity, an opportunity to properly steward the people underneath me. That means I have to get the authority that God's given me and steward it properly. If I want people to submit to me, I gotta teach them what submission looks like. I can't expect people at church to submit to me if I, if I don't submit to Pastor Rich. I gotta go first. I gotta lead by example. If you are a leader, you're a person of influence. The onus is on you. If you think, oh man, these people don't, my, my employees or, or, or my relationship or, or whatever, they don't, they don't submit underneath me, take a look at you. Maybe you need to get some, some confession out. Maybe you need to consider whether you are in fact submitting or not. I wrote it this way. Confession is about acknowledging daily that things in our life need to change. 
Confession is about acknowledging daily that things in our life need to change. Look at James, James 5, verse 16. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. James, the brother of Jesus, rolled with Jesus, knows Jesus, hung out with Jesus. He goes as far as to say that we need to confess our sins to each other in order to be healed. What is James talking about? He's talking about horizontal accountability. Again, Jesus did not just come to fix our vertical relationship. He came to coach our horizontal relationships. That's what James is alluding to. He's saying you need some horizontal accountability in your life. You need some people in your life that you can submit your issues to, people in your life that you can submit your problems to, people in your life that you can get your confession out, that you can get your confession louder than your circumstance. People in your circle that are going to elevate you, that are going to speak to your potential, not to your past. Conversations are the catalyst for change. Real life change happens in the context of community. If I'm not surrounding myself by community, I can't expect anything to change because it's just me in my world and I'm holding on to all my problems. But if I get community around me, then I could go for it. That's when the healing process begins. That's when salvation comes. That's when I get to walk free in some stuff. Men of God, women of God, you need people in your life, business leaders, political leaders, influencers, whoever you are that's listening to my voice, you need people in your life right now that you can confess to. And you don't just need one, you need a bunch. Pastor Rich is my spiritual father. I submit to him. It is a privilege to submit to him. But there are also some other men in my life that I submit to. There's a guy in our church. His name's Jesus Cruz. Jesus Cruz is 12 years older than me, successful businessman, big family, great life, And what's really interesting about this guy is that in the context of church, this older, successful man submits to me, a 33-year-old. I'm 12 years younger than him. And in the context of church, he has recognized that I am his authority in church, so he submits to me. Talk about confidence in a man. Talk about security in a man. But now when we flip the script and I say in the context of relationships, in the context of how to be a husband, in the context of how to be a father, I have granted this man authority in my life. That's what we need to do if we really want to find freedom and healing. We need to be able to confess that there are gaps that exist between where we're at and where we ought to be. Now, let me talk to you about your spiritual life. In the context of your spiritual life, submission is about acknowledging that there is a gap between you and God. I know that there are people listening right now that that's what you feel, that there is a gap that exists between you and God. There's a gap that exists between where you're at with God and where you want to be with God. All of us need to ask ourselves these questions. I need to ask myself this question. Do I live a life in submission to Jesus? Do I want to submit to Jesus? When was the last time I did something for Jesus that I did not want to do? When I was 27 years old, man, I came to this crossroad. I fully understand where you're at if you feel like there is a gap between you and Jesus because that's where I was at. My whole life when I was up till 27, I'm thinking, yeah, me and God are cool. Me and Jesus is cool. Jesus is my homeboy. I had that hat in high school. I was in peer ministry. Me and God are cool. Yeah, yeah. But then it came to a decision point that I had to actually acknowledge. Is Jesus number one in my life or is he not? Like really number one in my life. Not just somebody that I put on a mantle that I, that I put up on a shelf and I pull off when I need him. And then, all right, cool. Thank you, Jesus. You got me what I want. Yeah, yeah. I love you. I'll put you back. No. When w- I had to acknowledge whether he was number one in my life or not. See, let me talk to you about this word, Lord. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. 
sometimes we hear that and it's like super spiritual for us and we don't fully understand it. So for you, the person that thinks that there might be a gap between you and God, let me explain that for a second. If somebody is Lord of my life, it means that I have given them full dominion of my life. It means that by the very title that I've given them full authority over my life. So if I haven't given them full authority and full dominion over my life, it means that they are not Lord of my life. If they are not Lord of everything, then they are not Lord of anything. And when I was 27, I had to come to that realization. Is he number one in my life? And the answer was no. Why? Because I had an issue with submission. Because I had an issue with surrender. God, you can have some things, but you can't have everything. I'm too obsessed with self-glorification, too obsessed with self-satisfaction, with self-perseverance. God, I enjoy this too much. This is too pleasurable. I don't want to give it to you. I want this more than I want to give it to you. And then I had to decide. A lot of us right now, that's where we are at. A lot of us right now, that's where we live. We live in this space that, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with Jesus as long as I still get to do what I want to do. But what I've learned is that what we hold on to in selfishness, God multiplies in submission. What we hold on to in selfishness, God, God multiplies in submission. You and I, we are called to live in self-denial. You and I are called to live a life that is in submission to Jesus. Do I have any people that understand what I'm talking about today? Because when you live that life, that's when purpose is unlocked. That's when identity is unlocked. That's when freedom is found. That's when self-actualization becomes a reality. I know people are listening and they're like, man, no, no, no. You don't know my situation, Adrian. I, I want to be cool with God, but God can't meet me where I'm at. I'm too far gone. That is a lie from the pit of hell because I was there and I understand what it's like to feel like you're way too far away from God. But let me tell you something. We serve the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That means that God could be behind you, God could be in front of you, but God could be right there with you in the middle. He knows your circumstance. He doesn't just sympathize with you, He empathizes with you. He is the only God in the history of humanity who has ejected Himself from His situation and inserted Himself into your situation. Think about why. He does that so that you can relate to Him, so that you can respond to Him. He does that so he could just say, son, daughter, it, it's no biggie. I got it. I can handle it. I've been in your shoes. I've walked in your shoes. I know how to address what it is that needs to be addressed right now in this moment. God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And listen, this practice of confession, it's not just constricted to our spiritual life. It is not just about confessing that there is a gap between me and God. We talked about it already. It's about confessing that there is a gap between me and where I ought to be. Parents, I want to talk to you for a second. Parents with kids, you're like, man, this kid is giving me problems. This kid is, is annoying. This kid is problematic. He or she's not disciplined. They're not listening to me. Look, all those things are real, and I validate those things, and we're going to work on it, and the kid is going to get mature, and Voo Kids resources will help you, no doubt. But it all starts with you being content with that kid. Contentment is about, it all starts with you confessing, I'm sorry, that there's a gap that exists between you and where you ought to be as a parent. In the context of relationships, it's the same thing. In the context of me and my wife, I could think about where I'm at with my wife and recognize, man, I, I, I need to close the gap between where I'm at with me and my leader. I need to close the gap between where I'm at with my leader. First word is confession, acknowledging that you need to submit. Second word is contentment. Write this down. Contentment. Contentment. There's another word that we don't like, man. Another word in this day and age that we freak out about. Another word, especially in our Western individualistic, capitalistic society, we hear this word and we equate it to the opposite of ambition. We think that to be content is to be lazy. 
and not want more. And we all want more, right? But that is not true. That's a perversion of that word. In the biblical sense, let's look at what contentment means. Look at what Philippians says. These are Paul's words, Philippians 4, 12 through 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I want you, this next part, I want you to underline it, circle it, tattoo it on your body. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We read that last part and we like that, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's cool. I could roll with that. I'll put that on a hat, on a t-shirt, on a book bag. I'm cool. But what about that first part? What about that part of contentment? What is Paul referring to? Paul is saying that I, I know what it is to be in good times and I know what it is to be in bad times. And I have recognized, I have learned that the hack, the habit, the trick is to be content in both situations. And I've realized that my ability to be content in all situations does not come from me, but it comes from Christ who gives me strength. What is he talking about regarding contentment? He's saying that my ability to be content in good situations and bad, my ability to get through good and bad comes from my place in Jesus. He's saying, I recognize my position is second to Jesus, better second to Jesus than first without Jesus. I wrote it this way. I want you to write it down. If confession is about acknowledging that you need to submit, then contentment is about accepting your decision to submit. There's a difference between acknowledging and accepting. There's a difference between recognizing that I need to do something and and then actually doing it and it's accepting the fact that I have done it. Because the truth is, look, that you and I, we can submit externally, but be in rebellion internally. And if you're doing that, you're foregoing the blessing that is attached to submission. Contentment is about being at peace inwardly and outwardly with your decision to submit. Contentment is what unlocks all the the benefits of submission. I wrote it down this way that contentment positions you for the provisions of submission. In today's society, man, we are, we're obsessed with status and titles and and self-glorification. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me too. I like that stuff too. And I think we like it so much in 2020 that it would make somebody like Paul laugh, man. This guy is referred to as the chief apostle, single-handedly responsible for advancing the gospel to the Gentiles. That's you and me, by the way. So the, the missionary work of Paul is what is, is what is allowing you and I to receive the gospel right now if you're not of Jewish descent. Paul deserves all the accolades. Paul arguably one of the most important men to have ever walked on this planet. He, this guy, deserving every single title, calls himself a bond slave to Jesus. That's like saying I am a voluntary slave. I am in permanent service to Jesus. It makes me think about questions that I have about my own contentment. Makes me think about where I am regarding my own contentment. Am I content with my role or position at work? Am I content with submitting to the authority above me? Am I content with submitting to my spouse? Hello. Am I content with being second to Jesus or does that idea bother me? Contentment is a powerful practice because it's accepting the fact that you are not number one. It's accepting the fact that you're not the most important piece of the puzzle. I know that that's not fun to hear. I know that we don't like that. But contentment is in my best interest. It's in your best interest because it alleviates us of the pressure we put on ourselves to be perfect and fills us with a sustainable satisfaction about where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going. I know people are listening right now and they're like, yo, I'm not cool with this word. Like contentment means that, that, that I'm going to give up my dreams and give up my hopes. And I'm not telling you to do that. Go and make your paper, boo-boo. Like work hard. Do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? But 
Contentment does not mean to forego your responsibilities, forego your, your ambitions, your goals, or your dreams. It does not mean to throw up your hands in the air and say, you know what, this is as best it's going to get, so I'm just going to stay here. No, contentment is simply coming to the understanding that I don't have to be, I don't have to get my own way in order to be happy. Because being happy is not contingent upon me getting what I want. It's contingent upon what I'm attached to. What are you attached to today? This is something I struggled with early on in my life. It's sometimes I, I still struggle with it. I'm a first-generation American. My parents went through a lot of struggle to provide me the opportunities that I've had. So from a very young age, I've been ambitious. And from a very young age, I've had a plan. And I was going to go to college and, and get a job that made a lot of money. That happened. I was going to work there for two years and then apply to grad school and get in. That happened. I, I said I was going to go get my master's and graduate top of my class. That happened. And then I said I was going to go and, and travel the country and work for a consulting firm and make networks and make money and come back to Miami and open up a boutique consulting firm. And in the middle of all of that, I had an encounter with Jesus. So I started to live for him, but still kind of with the same plan until, somebody say until. There's an until moment that's about to happen for some people right now. Until I went on some random mission trip to Ecuador with some random people to support some random organization that you've never heard of with some random pastors that you've never heard of. And five minutes into that, or five hours into that, this pastor looks at me and he says, son, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your background, but I want to tell you that you are going to be a pastor and that people will come to know Jesus through you and your friends and your family will be rescued through your work and you will help shift the perspective of Jesus in Miami. What are we talking about, bro? So many of you live in that space. You've been given a God dream, but you don't know whether to move on it or not. You've been given a God dream 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 minutes ago, but you're still sitting on it because you don't know if you should submit to it. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you submit to it, God is going to provide through it. I had to come back and ask myself questions of contentment. Am I going to be content with going with God's plan over my plan? Am I going to be content with submitting to other people? Am I going to be content with not being the authority figure, not calling all the shots? Am I going to be content with taking a pay cut? Am I going to be content with people in my life thinking I'm crazy? Am I going to be content with stepping into something I had no idea about? I don't know anything about this, man. I didn't grow up in church. I don't have a ministry background. I didn't go to seminary. First time I threw my hands up in a worship service was in 2014 at the rendezvous when I gave my life to Jesus. But that's the God that we serve, the God that fills the gap, the God that does not call you because you are qualified, but he qualifies you because you're called. There are people right now in here that are listening that have a God dream, but you're scared to move forward in it. You're scared to move forward in it because you don't have the skill sets or you don't have the ability. God doesn't call you based on your ability. He calls you based on his action. He calls you based on who he is, not who you are. Contentment, it'll bring you so much closer to God than goal achievement ever will. Goals are cool, man. Hit your goals. Do what you got to do. But contentment is what will unlock new levels of trust, reliance, and intimacy between you and God. Contentment is about walking with an attitude of gratitude. Nobody owes me anything. Jesus gave me everything. If Jesus does not give me one more thing, it's cool. He's already given me enough. Contentment does not just apply to you in your spiritual life. Think about it. Think about your kids. Think about your spouse. If I've got issues with Michelle, married couples in here, if you've got an issue with your spouse, man, my husband, he doesn't love me. He doesn't hear me. He doesn't listen to me. Man, my wife doesn't respect me. She's annoying me. She's just not, all that stuff, cool. That, that stuff is real. It happens in relationships. Go get counseling, go get support. But the, the thing that'll actually break down the barrier 
the thing that'll actually set you guys free is the moment that you get content with your wife, the moment you get content with your husband, the moment you say, you know what? We may not be where we want to be, but praise God, we're not where we used to be. I am content with the wife I have. I am content with the husband I have. We're closing now. And uh, the third word that I want to talk to you about is this word communion. We like this word. This word is good. Submission, nah. Confession, no way. Contentment, mm -mm, but communion we like. Communion is, it's pleasant, it's peaceful, it's communal. But there is something serious attached to this word. Something significant attached to this word. There's some implications attached to this word. Being in communion with someone means that you have arrived at a place of mutual love and respect. In the context of submission, communion is the goal. I don't just want to submit because I recognize that I need to submit. I want to submit because I, because I want to submit. I want my heart to transition. Lord, shift my heart from disgust to desire when it comes to submission. Write this down. It's going to come up on the screen. You've got the first two parts, but you've got to write this last part down. If confession is about acknowledging that you need to submit and contentment is about accepting your decision to submit, then here it is. Write this down then communion is about affirming your desire to submit. Communion is about affirming your desire to submit. You want to arrive at a place where you don't just submit because you ought to. You submit because you want to. It's like when we talk about giving. We don't walk away, cringe at this idea of talking about generosity at Vu. Generosity for us is a privilege. It's the only reasonable response to what God has done in our lives. So we say things like, you don't give out of duty, you give out of delight. I don't have to be here. I get to be here. I don't love my wife out of duty. I love my wife out of delight. It is an honor. I don't submit to Pastor Rich out of duty. I submit to him out of delight. It is a privilege, an honor for me to be in that space. That's because I'm in communion with them. That's because I've arrived at a place of mutual love and respect. As followers of Jesus, you and I, we need to recognize that communion has a much deeper meaning. It's not just about what I'm referring to here. There's a much deeper meaning attached to it. As followers of Jesus, we need to recognize that communion is the single greatest act of submission that this world has ever seen, period. Single greatest act of submission this world has ever seen. Pick up your cross, lose your life. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. You wanna talk about self-denial. Look at the cross. Jesus' entire ministry was in submission to the Father. His one act of submission is what liberated you and I. It's what set us free. If he had not been submitted to the Father, you and I would still be held captive. But because he submitted, you and I now have access to an eternal promise, to an eternal hope, a hope that serves as an anchor to our soul. I want us to think about this for a second. This is Jesus we are talking about. If you're in here and you acknowledge that there is a God and you acknowledge that Jesus is God, I want to break this down for you for one second. Jesus, the Bible says that at the beginning was the Word and the Word was made flesh. That means that from the onset, Jesus has been in the picture. First book, Genesis says, let us make man in our image. Who's our? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. The Bible says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. We're talking about God on earth, God incarnate, 100% man, 100% God. That means that in the middle of this whole journey towards death, in the middle of this march towards Calvary, if he wanted to flip the script, he could have done it. If he wanted to say, nah, I don't want to do this, he would have done it. But no, he says, not my will, your will be done. He's in submission to the Father. Dude, I am nowhere near that. Nowhere near that. If I had an opportunity to self-eject, I would have self-ejected. All of us would. 
except Jesus. Why? Because perhaps there's a mission to submission. Look at the text. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. This next part, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Stop there. What good is it for you to get everything you want, acquire everything you want, achieve all your goals, have all the material, have all the wealth? What good is it to have that and yet lose or forfeit your very self, to lose or forfeit your very soul? What's the mission to submission? It's to not forfeit your soul. Friends, the reason that we submit is because it's the only way to not lose. It's the only way to win. This life is gonna end. If COVID-19, if this season has taught us anything, it's that life is fragile. But the condition of your soul, what happens to your soul is up to you. It's not up to me. It's not up to Pastor Rich. It's not up to some priest. It's up to you. Times are tough right now. Things are unprecedented. Things are chaotic. Things are unorthodox. I understand that, but the condition of your soul does not have to be. Your external circumstances don't have to dictate your internal condition. Jesus gave us the recipe to not forfeit or, or lose out on our soul. He's saying that self-denial is the only way to self-preservation. Communion is the only act of submission in which we grant Jesus accessibility into our hearts, but simultaneously are granted accessibility to his eternal promise. It's the same in all your other relationships. Being in communion with someone means that I've granted them access into my life. And because I've granted them access into my life, I now have access into their life. That's why in the context of submission, communion is the goal. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've, you've practiced communion before. Today's communion Sunday, and we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna take a moment to do this. In fact, wherever you're at, grab your piece of bread, grab your wine, whatever you got. For us, we need to recognize uh, that communion is a way that we flex our submission muscle. It is a, an application, an expression of our faith. And, and if you've received communion before, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've done this practice before, then you know the significance behind it. But really quickly, I wanna to speak to some people that potentially need to close the gap between them and God. If that's you right now, I want you to listen to me. Thank you for listening to everything we've talked about, but I, I want you to dial in right now to what I'm about to say. Jesus, the God that we believe in, the God that we preach about on Sundays, the God that we worship, he walked on this planet 2,000 years ago. That is not just a biblical fact, that is a historical fact. There is a man that was Jesus that lived, died, and resurrected. And the reason that God sent Jesus onto the earth is because you and I are incapable, humanity is incapable of living perfect lives. In other words, we are sinners. And the Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. Meaning, if you and I are never absolved of our sins, if you and I are never forgiven of our sins, when we die, we enter eternal separation from God. But that's not what he wanted for you and I. God loves you and I. Bible says that he loves you and I so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is called savior because that's exactly what he came to do, to save you and I from what was inevitably awaiting us. The body in communion represents Jesus, the, the bread in communion represents Jesus' body on the way towards his death, on the way towards his sacrifice for you, his body was beaten, it was bruised, it was battered. They tried to dehumanize him as much as possible, to demoralize him, to embarrass him. A lot of people that are listening right now, you know what that feels like. You know what it's like to be marginalized. You know what it's like to be seen less than. Jesus sees your pain because he's been in your pain. As we eat this bread, we do so in remembrance of his sacrifice. But not only that, the cup represents Jesus's blood. It represents a covenant. That word covenant is just another way of saying contract or agreement. 
God had been in a contract, an agreement with humanity. The issue was that you and I, humanity, were not able to hold up our end of the bargain. So Jesus came to instill a new contract that whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord shall be saved. Jesus's blood is what was used to sign that contract. If you're listening right now and there's a gap that exists between you and God, I wanna give you an invitation to close that gap right now. I'm gonna count to three. And when I say three, I just want you to say yes. Bible says that as the word is spoken, faith is stirred up in somebody's heart. That means faith is a tangible substance. Faith is something that you can hold on to, that you can cling on to. What you're feeling right now in your heart, what you're feeling, what you're hearing, that whisper in your ear, that's the Holy Spirit saying, I am real and I want relationship with you. You don't have to be here in this presence for God to be with you right there. So one, Bible says that today is a day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow what you could do right now. Tomorrow's gonna be great, but this moment is your moment. Two, don't worry about your neighbor. This is a private moment between you and God. Eliminate all distractions. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. If you said yes, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. I submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together for everybody that just made that decision. Hey, we love you. If you made that decision, God bless you. Welcome to the family. A phone number is on the screen right now because that's next steps. Don't walk in this journey alone. Walk with the community. 786-755-3737. Text the word decided. You're going to hear more about that in a second. But I think all of us, church, in the Zoom, in YouTube, in Facebook, now's the time to celebrate. Now's the time to respond in communion. So why don't you grab your bread, wherever you're at. Let's pray over this bread. God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. We thank you for what it represents. We thank you that you are God that loved us so much, that was willing to go through the unimaginable so that we can be saved. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's eat together. I want you to grab that cup. Whatever you got, come on, let's pray for it. Jesus, thank you so much for this cup. God, thank you for what it represents. God, this covenant, this agreement that we enter. God, you are not a man that should lie. God, your promises of yesterday are still the promises of today and tomorrow. And today we cling on to your promise. We cling on to that hope. When we drink this, we remember the sacrifice and we remember the contract, the covenant that we have entered into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.